Hello, and welcome to the Family Bookshelf. I am Nick, the Game Schooling Dad, and with me is Amber of AmbitionsForChrist.com. Today, I've got three biographies that I've read recently that I'm going to talk about. Uh, so the first one I just finished this uh, last, this weekend here. Uh, it was the autobiography of Fanny Crosby. <laughs> if you're not familiar with Fanny Crosby, she is a hymn writer from the turn of the uh, 19th to 20th century, right? Yeah. I- yeah. From the yes. Yeah, that's how that works. <laughs> oh, always she messes with me. Eighteen. She was born in eighteen twenty and died in like nineteen o two, nineteen o three. So uh, she is. You could probably make the argument she is the greatest song. She's the greatest American songwriter of all time. Mm. Um, definitely, probably the greatest American hymn writer. Of oh all yeah. Time. I think you could definitely make that argument. You could probably bump it up to greatest American songwriter. You probably could make the argument the greatest songwriter of all time. <laughs> Um, lyrics alone this woman has pumped them out more than any other person i think i've ever heard of for sure and and the hard part there is then you're gonna have to get into quality as opposed to quantity i think Mm -hmm. quantity i think she just has everybody beat hands down she (laughs) she claims and i wouldn't doubt her she claims to have written over five thousand hymns uh, Mm -hmm. under over 100 different pseudonyms the pseudonyms so she's just written a countless amount of stuff under a countless amount of people and she just writes them and gave them to people to set to music you know and there's stuff from what i understand her publishers still have hymns in files that still just need to be set to music she has so much the body of work that she wrote is unbelievable now i think quality we could make the argument (laughs) right well and you meant you haven't meant I don't think you mentioned the most important thing yet about Fanny no, Crosby. No, I did not. The, the thing that stands out most, and I, I save this for last because it's the piece that's, you know, kind of the cherry on top. She did this pretty much blind from infancy. Uh, I believe at six days old, she mm-hmm. went, uh, the doctor, actually, and the, they told her it was medical malpractice, made her go blind. Uh, mm-hmm. She got a fever. He tried to fix it and caused her to go blind. And, and it's amazing because she starts off her story. She starts off her whole book by saying she holds no ill will towards mm-hmm. the man and that if she were to see him today she would actually you know thank him for yeah. what she, what he did and you know the the way god used her to bring his word and bring his light to the world and she was never hindered by that or <laughs> you know hurt by that and she you she know, took it and made it i mean god used it in her life in such a great way that that's why we're still talking about her no one would know who she is no, if yeah. it hadn't been for yeah that. i mean she she would have been no one if she had not lost her sight yeah and she she says in her book that she would not want her sight back and she would not change that for anything it's like wow what an amazing <laughs> woman and quite an amazing testimony you know mm-hmm. she she went to school she didn't start school until she was well into her teens because of course being a teens in the 1830s <laughs> and being blind you're not able to do a whole lot yeah you're kind of a burden to everyone around you and she did her best to not be a burden she lost her father at a young age her mother was poor she had she had brothers and sisters that were younger than her i mean she tried to take care of everyone and she finally got a chance well into her teens to go to a school for the blind Mm. Uh, she also didn't start writing hymns until she was in her 40s (laughs) (laughs) she got married she met four or five presidents was actually friends with grover cleveland when he was a boy Uh, she actually (laughs) says she held his child you know she you know (laughs) helped the baby go to sleep and all this stuff like that Uh, she she spoke to Congress on numerous occasions. You know, it was the poet laureate at her school would write a hymn for, or write a little poem for everything. Well, and what's so crazy is like you're saying all this, and it's like I've heard of Fanny Crosby throughout my life. Being someone that likes hymns and music, I I'd heard of her obviously. Sure. Um, 
but I never knew all the stuff that, I mean, when you were coming home saying some of the stuff, I'm like, oh my goodness, I had no idea. I had no idea. Like she knew so many people, like you really do kind of get the idea. Like she was just this, this old woman that sat in a corner and wrote hymns and you never realize how much she went out and impacted her world around her in a big way and in probably a more renowned way than we ever would give her credit for yeah. too. Yeah. Now, and, and don't get me wrong, because the book is kind of slow. I mean, at the end of the day, she doesn't really go a whole lot of places or do a whole lot of things. She is still a, a blind woman in the 1840s and 50s. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what do you want her to do? She's not, you know, marching yeah. off to war. She's not fighting anyone. She's not doing those grand heroic things. But in her own way, she's making a huge mark mm. on the world. And she has some very humorous stories in there. Uh, she tells a story about when she stole a watermelon, you know, <laughs> from the groundskeeper. And they actually, because kind of the whole joke was that she's blind and the blind people would play tricks on the people with sight, you know, they would <laughs> trick them and things like that. It's like, oh my goodness. And um, the, the story that I remember telling Amber about was the cholera, uh, when cholera came through and mm. swept through you know, the United States at this point in time. And she helped people who were sick uh, at the school. She helped the people who were there mm. and she actually got it. Uh, she got cholera, took a bunch of opium because that's what they <laughs> prescribed it to people at the time, kept working under a whole bunch of opium, <laughs> you know, went to bed and woke up the next morning feeling fine. Yeah. <laughs> well, we were talking about this because ironically, yeah, I got to hear another speaker on a different thing this weekend talking about how cholera like killed 50% of the people and like the whole like the entire medicine chest of the 1800s was basically opium and alcohol related. And he's like, it was like, Oh my goodness. It's a miracle. Anyone survived past like the age of 20 from poisoning alone in the 1800s. I mean, it was just remarkable. So yeah, when he was telling this story, I just had to, you were yeah telling the story. I was just giggling to myself. Cause I'm like, Oh my goodness. It's seriously a miracle that anyone survived cholera or even the common cold common back cold, yeah. <laughs> because they're literally giving you like turpentine and like it was like what are these people yeah. doing there's <laughs> a bunch of yeah heroin go sleep it off <laughs> yeah. like, oh, okay i guess you give someone enough heroin they stop caring how bad they feel yeah <laughs> it it's, was pretty crazy it, i mean the, some of the stories like yeah, yeah we want to think like we have a hard life now or something because like we have like to go take our tylenol for the evening to just get our headache to settle down it's like no 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 we have nothing on these people the fact that they survived infancy is a miracle and god's grace let's just be honest so, i was really impressed and the book is not long i think it was around 70 pages mm. a bunch of it had poems in it poems she had written poems people had written for her and to her i was really impressed and it wasn't like I said, it wasn't a long read oh yeah nice to read more about fanny crosby and again you could probably make the argument she's she might be the greatest songwriter of all time just yeah, I mean, it's short of I guess you know David, King of the Jews, who wrote Psalms. <laughs> Psalms, okay, <right>? yeah. <laughs> you could make. You're that gonna argument. get so many comments because everyone's gonna be like, "No, no, no, this person's better." Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> just clear body of work, the incredible amount. Yeah, it's just it's amazing, amazing what she did. So yeah. that's um, Fanny Crosby's autobiography, and that's pretty much all it's called. Is uh, Fanny Crosby's autobiography the, the story of a blind girl? I mean, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the next one I would recommend is called. 50 People Every Christian Should Know by Warren Wearsby. <laughs> I've been on a Warren Wearsby kick lately. I've really enjoyed him and found that I really like a lot of the stuff he's written. I've read several of his books. Uh, and this one is actually a breakdown of 50 different people that every Christian 
should know. Don't, really? Don't really? overthink that. <laughs> <laughs> huh, I wonder what uh, the titles. The, <laughs> the, the book does get a little dry. It's basically a rundown of famous speakers or famous writers, famous mm-hmm. preachers, obviously, um, from the last probably 150 years. Right. Uh, spanning, you know, Dwight Moody, uh, all the way back to Spurgeon, back to, you know, all they were contemporaries, but. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, there's just a lot of these names in there that as a Christian, you should kind of know them to know your church history, to know even sure. just so much of like how they've impacted the world. Like as we know today, I mean, just like we learned even the past few months here, of like Dwight Moody, Dwight L. Moody, D.L. Moody mm-hmm. has affected so much of how we even do yeah. children's ministry still today and different right. things like that, that you would never credit it or realize. And these people are amazing. But and then there's a lot of them in there because, yeah, we know the big names, D.L. Moody. Charles Spurgeon, but there was a lot in there, like where's Christmas the, Evans? Yes, you know, was the one that we we looked at and was like, who who names their kids Christmas, right? Yeah, kind of weird, but he was an interesting dude. Oh I think, man, I think he was the one who lost an eye in a yeah. bar fight when he was a kid. You know, at least they kind of run together because there's 50 of them and they all kind of do the same general things. But it's amazing as um oh what do you call them little earworms or something that gets you oh, I want to know more about this person right so then we went to that big huge um, used Christian bookstore in Denver and it was like I'm gonna find books by all these people and because read more of their stuff the the amount of work that these people pumped out and the sermons they had that are still recorded in yeah. writing and different things for us in the impact those sermons have i mean you went because you've heard of charles spurgeon but it's like i've never really read anything by him and after you read about him i was like wow i need to read something charles from him spurgeon, yeah by the time he was 21 <laughs> was speaking seven sermons a week to a sold out crowd of over ten thousand. yeah like holy cow you know, <laughs> and i read one of his books recently and i'll get to that at some point in time in a, in a show it was amazing i mean the way he broke down christ's parables was absolutely gorgeous and beautiful like wow no wonder this guy is obviously so well remembered and also so well attended at that time Mm -hmm. it's just awesome and these guys are have kind of been forgotten and lost in history yeah we kind of know the big ones i mean Mm -hmm. a lot of people know um billy graham right right you know billy graham but you don't know all these who influenced billy graham right you got to keep going backwards and find more of these people well and it is interesting to see as you went through that book it kind of was like oh this person influenced this person who then influenced this person who then influenced this person it's like oh this is also where we found out about george macarthur macarthur the guy who actually influenced tolkien and And c.s lewis and pretty much every fantasy author in the past hundred years got their ideas and i got their ideas from george macarthur who was a pastor mcdonald 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 is it mcdonald yes i think now you make me second guess i, oh, I don't know now either <laughs> now i'm You're second guessing me. you um the, I, I read one of his i read the fairy and the gal or the, the princess and the goblin you know a couple weeks ago and it was really good a little slow of course oh, you're yeah. thinking tolkien epic battles every six seconds right <laughs> and that's not the case here you know right but it's still this is the beginning and this is the, the starting of something that's fantasy this right. is probably the first time someone had written about something called goblins before mm-hmm. and so they're totally different than what you think they well, are well what's so interesting because we we also heard it from c.s lewis in that we watched that documentary oh, yeah, thing yeah. and what's interesting is you want to know who influenced a atheist c.s <laughs> lewis in his faith it's the same guy. guy and it's just interesting that it's like all these little people that you just never hear of and you're like wow there are so many amazing Christians throughout history that we just have no idea. And it's like, I'm also, it makes me excited. Like someday we're going to go to heaven and we're going to get to meet so many people that have done awesome <laughs> things and God's used them in great ways. And we're just going to get to walk around and be like, wow, God did that. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty amazing. It's just yeah. exciting. 
So I, that's one that I definitely would look at, especially if you're going to like a big bookstore or if you're going to a big Christian convention where there's going to be lots of books and you want ideas for, for writers to look towards. Or right, especially to those for. old classic writers, yeah. something that's not just the brand new Joel Olstein. Like, oh what's that? Oh, Yeah, this, <laughs> this new stuff, which has no meat in it and it's mm-hmm. all the spiritual milk because that's all our culture can right. know, stomach. So anyway, <laughs> 50, <Ooh. laughs> 50 people every Christian should know by Warren Wiersbe. And I'll talk more about Warren Wiersbe at some point in time because I've really enjoyed him. Uh, I think he's still living up in Nebraska. Uh, he was but I don't know. Yeah, if, I don't know for if sure. If he happens to hear this, I'd love to hear from him. <laughs> that would be so cool. <laughs> I'm trying to remember if he's still living or not. That's terrible. <laughs> I think he, right? But, you know, yeah. maybe, maybe he can tell us someday. There you right? go. <laughs> okay. My last one is one I would tell you to skip. And, and this one's kind of weird because it's a... Uh, it's called George Washington, and so it's a biography about George Washington from James McGregor Burns. And this one was hard because I think in the minds of Americans, we have built George Washington up to be more than just a man. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a man, so we, I don't think we can we, – we can't obviously put him in a place of Christ. He's not right. perfect. He is you know, a right. human being. He is not sinless. Uh, he is not per- – yeah, the ultimate yeah. perfect human. But that being said – he is a very impressive human being, <laughs> and I think we lose that as well when we try to mm. swing too far the other way. Um, the man literally retired from government and could have been the king of the United States. He retired like three times at <laughs> least, right? And yeah. They, they were begging him to please take over, take this country, mm. rule us, and he said, no, I just want to be a farmer. Yeah. Leave me alone. <laughs> and he said it three times. At least, yeah. I love when we went because we got to visit Mount Vernon that one time and we went through the little museum and it was interesting like because we're going through the museum parts like here's the sword when he read you know resigned to go back to his farm here's the sword when he resigned from this post to go back to his farm here's the sword from when he resigned to go back to this and it's like this guy really had one goal in life and it was to just be left alone and go work on his farm and they (laughs) wouldn't leave him alone so this book it does a really cool job when it starts talking about the Continental Congress and how they wrote the Constitution mm. and all the people there and how really George Washington took a big step back and he didn't step in there and lay down the law and tell everyone this is how you do it this is how you have to do he let men that he looked at were smarter than him and he kind of knew that I mean mm. Thomas Jefferson mm. you know James Madison you know some of the probably the most smartest men to have ever lived <laughs> yeah. you know he let them do the work and he just kind of played. Um, referee and made sure they didn't fight with each other too much. <laughs> he was of kind course, of the mom that had to go in the room and break up the fights and squabbles. Right. You have, you know, men from 13 different colonies, all with 13, you know, different wants and needs, mm-hmm. you know, pushing at each other. And he made sure they all got along and stayed together and were, they were not going to, you know, dissolve the union. But he didn't come in and say, you have to do X, Y, and Z or else. Right. So that's, that's again, he's a pretty remarkable dude. And I don't think this book did him justice. Mm. Uh, it considered him very vain. He was very concerned about how he looked. It, it considered him like a political like strategist. Like his only point in life was to get ahead po- politically. Which, that doesn't make sense doesn't to the rest sense, of the narrative. Right? right. How I can mean, you have a guy who retires from the most powerful position in the country at that point in time. I mean, president twice, <laughs> unanimously, he would have been loved forever. And he stepped away voluntarily after two you know, terms because... And set that precedent. He set the precedent until FDR broke it. Yeah. FDR, probably one of the most controversial and probably the worst, one of the worst presidents we've ever had. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> My wife's eyes are bulging now. So Another topic, another day again. <laughs> 
but he's a pretty amazing dude, and this author keeps trying to bring him down to earth in ways that don't make a whole lot of sense. Right. It also completely ignores any kind of faith. Uh, mm -hmm. Now, it's a conversation you could have. I have read other things that say his faith probably wasn't as strong as we like to believe it was. But at the same time, you still have to think that all these men, yeah. even, I mean, they like to claim that Thomas Jefferson was <laughs> a, a, a deist, but even there is a lot of proof that he was not. He was a solid Christian. Well, and what's amazing to me is these people that they claim are like mild deist or, you know, kind of lazy Christians. I'm like, if pretty much any Christian in America today was as lazy in their faith as these Christian men were or supposedly Christian men. You know, it's like if any of them were even half as lazy, we like our America would be going through a huge revival yeah. right now. I was... <laughs> it's one yeah. of those things where it's like, it makes me like want to almost slap my forehead. Cause I'm like, um, they weren't lazy in their faith. And they, I mean, many of them knew many languages so they could read the Bible and like the original Greek sure. and all these different things like that. And it's like, you sit there and you go, how is that and, and someone that have. doesn't care about and, their and faith? We learned a lot of this from wall builders. Yeah, is, wall builders with David Barton. David Barton, thank you. I couldn't yeah. think of his name. Well, you know, and really what you see with Thomas Jefferson and Ben Franklin is men who grappled with their faith, who yeah. wrestled with it, and probably came to terms with some kind of Jesus. Again, there's some debate to be had here. Oh, yeah. But I don't think you can say that he wasn't a Christian, and I don't mm -hmm. think you can say that his faith had no bearing or no... Um, effect in his life oh yeah I think that's a silly thing to think and this book never brings it up mm. so i i struggled with this book because at one hand i was like okay I, I can't build george washington up to be something he's not right he's not the perfect human no one is but at the same time he's a far better human than what we're giving him credit for here mm. um it didn't bring up a whole lot with his slaves it did mention them uh, because we had to get, you know, it's the 21st century and everyone has to be super woke now. The man did release every slave he was legally allowed to release at that point in time mm -hmm. when he died. I mean, he did that for his slaves. Yeah. You know? Well, and I mean, it's interesting. There is a lot of conversation over what some of these men did to try to make sure slavery actually did become something that would be ended in America. They and put the, the, the language in there and they laid those roots. They just knew we couldn't end it now. It would end... The, the union yeah and so. before it even got started and it's one of those really hard conversations it's something that people always have to grapple with that mm -hmm. these many you know they had this you know and it's it's a hard conversation of course it is yeah. but it's still worth having and it doesn't always necessarily disqualify these people due to i guess you know due to where they were in history and i think we tend to forget you know the context of history they were living through just like the context of history we're living through. We have to understand where these people were and what they were fighting in at that time. It's a whole different world than, yeah, where we live now in the 21st so century. For the for the plus side of the book, I would say they didn't condemn him because of slavery. Which that is a which plus. Is a good, which is a plus because we go too far with that now. Mm -hmm. you know, just because someone owned slaves in the past does not mean they were horrible and evil, you know, awful men a lot of these guys again wrote this language and they knew all men are created equal they had just written those words they had just signed their their names to that mm -hmm. and then they went home and really struggled with it. a lot of them if not most mm -hmm. if not all of them released their for, released mm -hmm. their slaves soon after yeah you know because they knew i can't sign this and believe this and then hold these men right as slaves and that's a big conversation there's a lot there to oh unpack. yeah it's something that we're gonna have to teach our kids about something that i wish our history teachers in our schools would do a better job mm. um, to just cry out slavery evil and start tearing down statues of george washington is wrong 
you know. Yeah. But of course, slavery is wrong too. Right? And so, yeah, you have to have it's. It's so much harder than just black and white as much as we want to say it is, you know, and I think that's the hardest part is you have to come into these conversations and be willing for a long conversation. Yeah. And, you know, some books can do it better than others, too, I think, too. But so it's it's one that I would tell you to avoid or at least go into with a grain of salt. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'd like to get some other people to read it and talk to me. If you've read this book before, drop me a line. Tell me what you think. Tell me what I'm missing. I need to actually replace all of my biographies for presidents at the library. They're all old. I need to get new ones, and I can't find a good series of them. So mm-hmm. this was my first attempt at that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still on the fence. So that's, a again, another conversation for another day. <laughs> uh, thanks for sticking with us. Sorry this has gone a little long. I thought we had some good discussion here, though. This has been The Family Bookshelf. I am Nick, the Game Schooling Dad, and with me has been Amber of AmbitionsForChrist.com. Please like, subscribe, drop us a line, look us up on Ambitions for Christ, find us on Facebook. We'll get back to you. Thank you. Have a good night.